we don't do this a lot in our church, um, but I, th- I just, we feel really compelled to do it today. Uh, as uh, I think probably uh, everyone knows, that on Friday the Supreme Court of the United States decided to make it legal in all 50 states uh, for same-sex marriage. And they have struck down any uh, laws that would um, keep that from happening or restrict that in any, any way. Um, we need to talk, okay? Because I think the church needs to respond to that, and specifically our church needs to respond to that. And so uh, let's just talk through these things pretty quickly. Um, uh, but I just, I just think this is really important, okay? First, this is no time to panic. Now listen, I've been on Facebook the last couple of days, and I've heard everything from, oh my goodness, the sky is falling, the country's over, what are we going to do? It's, I should move to Canada, whatever, you know, everything's just, it's all over with. The world is over. I've heard everything from that to uh, some of my gay friends telling me, it's not even going to affect you, it's no big deal. I mean, if you're not gay and wanting to get married, why do you even care? Okay? So there's been all, all, all extremes and a thousand points in between in that pendulum. But I want to encourage you, don't panic. Listen, our power is found in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit living in us, just like we see in the New Testament. It doesn't come from a Christian government. Okay, as we've been studying the book of Acts, the apostles and disciples have done nothing to try and change the government. Have you noticed that? Not once have they gotten together and said, you know, I think really to make these other people Christians, we should enact some legislation. We, we should send somebody to the Romans and see if we can talk them into doing something about it. We don't see any of that. Okay, I know it sounds goofy, but sometimes we're goofy. Listen, God's kingdom is expanded only by individuals accepting what Jesus has done for them on the cross and their lives being transformed by him from the inside out. God's kingdom is not expanded through government. Okay, God's kingdom is expanded when we share the gospel and other people give their lives to Jesus and decide to follow him. God's kingdom is expanded. Remember we talked about the three ways in the book of Acts that the church has uh, some kind of a growth report, numerical growth. When I share with somebody and they receive Christ, that's numerical growth. The kingdom of God is growing. When I become more committed to Christ uh, and and there's spiritual growth in me, the kingdom of God is growing. And so, uh, you know, the other one is geographical. I don't know if that really applies here as much. But I want you to understand, folks, don't panic. Don't panic. But, even though we shouldn't panic, there will be consequences to our society because of this decision. Listen, these decisions, they impact our society. People are saying right now, if you're not, if you're not a homosexual and you don't want to get married, it shouldn't bother you. It shouldn't matter to you. Well, let me tell you of a time when that was also stated. In 1969 when no-fault divorce was made law in California, it impacted our society in a significant way. The proponents at the time argued the same way. They said this would not increase divorce at all as far as the rate goes. It would only allow those getting divorced another option for a reason. That's what they said. So if you're not going to get divorced anyway, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't care. But let me tell you what happened. In the decade that followed, every state in the country passed a no-fault divorce law. And this meant that while less than 20% of couples who married in 1950 ended up in divorce, about 50% of couples who married in 1970 did. 
and approximately half of the children born to parents, to married parents in the 70s, saw their parents part ways, compared to only about 11% of children that were born to both parents in the 50s. Don't tell me these things don't affect our society. They do. Okay? Listen, those of you with small children, you're going to need to watch even more carefully what they're being taught at school, what they're being taught by their friends, what they're being taught by the television. You know, there was a time when we could kind of use the television as a babysitter. You know, we, we put them in front of Full House, and, and the worst thing that's going to happen is, you know, they learn to point their finger and say whatever that little girl used to say or whatever. You know, I mean, it's no big deal. But you've got to be careful now. Okay? And by the way, by the way, those of us who continue to have a biblical worldview and value system, we're going to be called names like bigots. We're going to be called prejudice. We're going to be called haters and a lot of other ugly things. By the way, one of my friends I've had since high school who is a practicing homosexual uh, put something on his Facebook the other day about uh, all the haters that didn't want him to get married. And uh, his name's not Joe, but I'll use the name Joe. Uh, And I wrote back to him. I said, Joe, let me say something to you. We've talked about this subject, and we've had really good, respectful conversations. I, I really am offended that you would call me a hater. I have never hated you. We can disagree, and, and that doesn't mean that I hate you. You know, we'll talk about that in a minute too. But I said to him, listen, I, I love you, and you're my friend. We just disagree seriously on this point. Why can't we still be friends? And he apologized. He said, I'm sorry I put you in the group of haters. You're not one of them. Some are, but you're not one of them. Look, there are some that are ugly and rude and obnoxious Christians. We don't want to be part of those people. Okay? We'll talk about that in a minute more, too. But, uh, man, uh, I just want you to know things are going to change. All right? Third, I want you to see that marriage and sexuality are determined by God, not government. I've preached through this passage uh, several times in the last nine years, but uh, I want us to look at it one more time in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. It says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now we don't have a a time today to do a marriage seminar, okay? 
but, and for all of you ladies who panicked at that first phrase about a wife submitting to your husband, as always, I want you to see in context, it says, yes, wives submit to your husbands and everything. And then it says, husbands, love your wives, love your wives, love your wives, three times. Husbands, love your wives three times greater than your wife submits to you. You see what it said at the end? See that she respects her husband. This is a process, folks. Uh, uh, you know, wives, if you will submit in obedience at first, and hu- husbands, if you will love your wife, love your wife, love your wife, at the end, she won't submit in obedience anymore. She'll follow you out of respect. Okay? Problem is, men in our society don't know how to love their wives, love their wives, love their wives. We're not very good at that sometimes. And by the way, the only one that gets to determine that is her. You don't get to determine that. So this afternoon, you ask her the question, sweetheart, do you feel completely and totally loved by me? And if she goes, eh, sometimes, then you need to have a talk. Okay? But this is, this, is God's, this is God's plan for a marriage. Do you see any room in there for two men or two women? You see, you've got a man and a woman with different roles that fit together. And by the way, roles don't equal value. You've got two people of the same exact value to God who perform different roles in a partnership. And so that's God's plan for marriage and for sexuality. That the sexuality only takes place within the bonds of marriage. I can go on and on about that, but you got it. Okay? Next, I want you to see that the act of homosexuality is still defined as sinful by God's unchanging word. I want you to see this passage in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And by the way, I, I can pull up one of half a dozen different passages. It says, Or do you not know, know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Now before you panic and say, well, yeah, it says homosexuality in there, but it also says idolatry, and it says uh, sexual immorality, and it says uh, swindlers. Do, do all of them not have the opportunity to go to, go to heaven to be a part of the kingdom of God? Listen, we've got to be really careful of these words, okay? This is not someone who has committed the act of homosexuality. This is somebody whose life is defined by the characterization of them being a homosexual. Okay, it's different. In other words, uh, uh, it, you know, I've, I've been swindled a few times in my life. I've had people that I thought got the upper hand on me and, and kind of I got a raw deal from a deal with them or whatever. But I know this one guy that I went back to him for another deal and I got taken again. And I went back to him ignorantly for a third deal. And I got taken again. He's a swindler. Right? I mean, if I've been taken once by somebody, I don't go, oh, yeah, man, there's, that's just who they are. Listen, all of us have committed sins. And what the world wants to say is you have no room to judge because you're, you've committed sins too. You're exactly right. But, but would you use one of those words to characterize my life? I hope not. I hope not. Many of us in this room have committed many of those things. In fact, if I wanted to stop and and do a three-week study on idolatry, I think we'd probably see that all of us have committed that sometime in our life. 
because we idolize ourselves and we do what we want to do over what God wants to do. That's idolatry. Okay? So, but I want us to understand here, folks, that the act of homosexuality is still sinful. But wait, I want you to... <laughs> it's very important that you understand that desire and temptation are not the same as committing an act. Our culture has redefined the term, and it doesn't fit into the biblical view. Okay? In our culture now, anybody who is tempted or, or desires someone of the same gender, they're considered a homosexual. But we wouldn't call somebody who is tempted to steal but never stole, would we call them a thief? Of course not. They've been tempted. They, did, they desired to steal, but they didn't do it. They're not a thief. Okay? Uh, so, so biblically, the word homosexual means somebody who's committing or committed the act of homosexuality. So a person who is, uh, has a desire or a temptation uh, to do that, but they never commit the act, the Bible would say they're not even a homosexual. But I want us to see that the act is still wrong. It will always be wrong because God says it's wrong. Listen, if you want to have a different worldview than the Bible go right ahead. If you want to say, hey, I'm going to let the culture define for me right and wrong, that's your choice. If you want to say, hey, I, I want uh, my friends uh, uh, to, to kind of do that or the culture to do that, or, or at the end of the day, I'm going to decide what's right and wrong for me. That's fine. Just realize you've chosen to worship one of those other things rather than the God of the universe. And when you get to the place where you say, I get to define right and wrong for me, <sighs> What you're really saying, folks, is I'm going to worship myself instead of the, the God who created everything. That's a really dangerous place to be. So let's just, you know, as biblical Christians, let's make sure that we have a worldview that comes from God's word. Jesus Christ is still sovereign over everything. Folks, listen, we, we have won the war. The war is over already. You know, we're kind of like those uh, uh, Japanese guys at the end of World War II that were stuck on all those islands, and it took them some of them months and years to find out the war was over. You know, they were still guarding their little island, you know, five guys on an island guarding it, making sure nobody attacked it, and the war had been over for three years. They didn't realize it, okay? We're kind of like that in the sense that we're fighting this spiritual battle. It's still going on battle-wise, but folks, Jesus has won. When he rose from the dead, he defeated death, hell, the grave, and sin in our lives. And, and look what it says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We sang about it this morning. We sang about his name this morning. Folks, God, God wins. Jesus wins. So we don't have to freak out about this kind of stuff. Okay? Next, we must act in love toward everyone. Folks, we can't forget this. This is really important. Galatians 5.14 says this. For the whole law... Now that's... Whatever comes next, we should pay attention to. Okay? The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you really, 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 really do this at a perfect level, which we don't do, you'd fulfill every law. That's what it's saying. And by the way, this doesn't mean agreeing. Okay? We live in a culture that says, if you don't agree with me, my favorite color is blue, and if you don't agree with me, you hate, you're a hater. You hate me. 
You know, you just go around hating me saying red's the best color. No, it's not. Blue's the best color. <laughs> Listen, folks, we, we need to learn to have uh, kind discussions about disagreeing with our friends about things and still be able to walk away loving them. Right? I mean, listen, my wife and I disagree about things. Doesn't mean she doesn't like my, you know, what color I want to paint the living room. She's not a hater. She might have a bad opinion about our color, but it doesn't mean she's a hater, you know. Listen, folks, we, there are just enough people pretending to be Christians, and I use that word specifically, pretending to be Christians that are mean and hateful and obnoxious and rude. We don't need to be associated with them. Okay? We can act in love and still disagree with people. Listen, you probably don't agree with me on everything. Hope you still love me. I still love you. Next, our fight is not with individuals. You all know Ephesians chapter 6, verses 12 and 13. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. When you get into these discussions on Facebook or Twitter or wherever, and I'm not saying you can't share your opinion. Uh, I shared my opinion on Friday, and I had 60 or so people respond to it, and four of them got kind of mean and rude, and I just, I just blocked them. I said, you're not going to be part of the conversation. We're not going to do that. Several people disagreed kindly, and I disagreed back kindly. But our fight is not with individual people on this planet. One of the things that Satan wants to do is he wants to get us all, uh, our minds all discombobulated so we wind up fighting people. We're not here to fight people. Is there any possible way you can argue somebody into the kingdom of God or argue them out of their sinfulness? If you can do that, man, come and do a seminar here because I haven't figured out how to do that. You can't argue people into the kingdom of God or out of their sinfulness, folks. So don't try. Don't try. doesn't mean you can't express your opinion or your thoughts. But our fight is not with them. Our fight is with the deep, dark rulers that are around this planet, Satan's boys, trying to mess up our lives and mess up our focus. And if he can get us fighting with our friends, we are no good to the kingdom. No good to the kingdom. The last thing I want you to see is that we will stand for truth. At this church, we have decided that we are going to stand for the truth that is found in God's word. In Isaiah 5.20, it says this, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Listen, I have a couple of friends that are homosexuals that claim to be Christians. And when we discuss uh, that topic, we discuss other things, but when we discuss that topic, what it really comes down to at the end of of the day is, they're saying, I know the Bible says that, but it doesn't mean that. It really means this. It means something different than what it says. And, and so at the end of the day, we have to go, okay, we have to agree to disagree. I think the Bible says what it means and means what it says. You think it means what justifies your bad behavior. And, and we're never going to agree on this. We're just never going to agree on it. 
but God help us. When it says, whoa, it's not talking about slow down, horsey. It's saying, whoa, man, this is, this is not good. If you get to the place where you start calling good bad and bad good, you're in a bad place. You're in a bad spiritual place. So I want us to find this balance, folks. Listen, when people come to our church and they walk through that door, if, if they came in and said, hey, listen, I'm a, I'm a swindler, and I swind- I've swindled everybody my whole life, I, I, uh, I try to swindle everybody today, I can, and, 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 and as I become a member of your church, I'm going to try to swindle everybody in your church, and, and I want you to embrace my swindlerness, whatever that is, and, and I, want you to, I want you to say it's okay. And I want you to just love me anyway and embrace my swindlerness and, and let me do it and be okay with it. We would tell them that they can't be a member of Fellowship of Grace. Not because they're a sinner. If we did that, this room would be empty. None of us would be here. But there's a difference between somebody saying, I'm practicing my sin to get better at it and I want you to embrace that and somebody coming and saying, hey, listen, I have a problem telling the truth in deals sometimes, and I take, people, I take advantage of people sometimes. And I know it's wrong. I know it's sinful. I've repented from that. I'm trying really hard not to do it. I'm not guaranteeing I'll be perfect at it, but I want you to pray for me. I want you to encourage me. I want you to help me. Can I be a member of your church? And the answer is absolutely yes. Come on in. Sit with the rest of us who sin. Do you understand the difference? It's important that we get that. And so if somebody comes in and they say, listen, I'm drawn to people of the same gender, but I know it's wrong, and I, I know it's sinful, and I, I'm trying not to live that way, and I, I struggle with it, and I may fall. But I want you to help me and pray for me. Be my friend. Love me. I know Jesus died for me, but I, I just still have a struggle with this. They are, they are welcome to be members in this church. But if they come in and say, listen, uh, I'm going to practice a sinful lifestyle no matter what it is. No matter what it is. And I'm going I'm to do it all the time. I want you to embrace it. I want you to be okay with it. I want you to celebrate it with me and come and stand at the parade and watch me go down the street to do it. The answer is no. Because there's no repentance in the heart, folks. I hope, I hope you get that because I think that's the balance of, of truth and love that we need to find. Listen, as long as Pastor Derek and Pastor Kendall and I are elders in this church, I want to declare a couple of things to you and then we'll be gone. First one is this, no pastor or staff member at Fellowship of Grace will ever perform any same-sex wedding in or out of our facility. Our facilities will never be used for a same-sex wedding while Fellowship of Grace owns it, or them. And lastly, I want you to know that at our next business meeting, the elders will recommend adding a line to our constitution in the belief section that supports God's plan for biblical marriage between one man and one woman. Folks, we're not doing this to be mean or rude or angry. We shouldn't be any of those things. But in love, when we see somebody standing on the train tracks and the train's coming and they can't hear it, we are not being loving to just go and let them do their thing. We're only loving if we yell at them to get off the tracks. And if they say, no, don't worry, it's okay, we, we yell at them again. We yell at them, we go pull them off the tracks if we can. Okay, that's love. That's love. Listen, while our voice needs to be really loud for the truth, our love must be greater for the lost. Okay? I hope that this 
gets the spirit of where our leadership is coming from, where our church is coming from. We love all sinners. We want every, uh, uh, we want every thief and, and murderer and drunkard and, and, and partier and uh, adulterer and sexually immoral and homosexual and bisexual. We want them all to come through that door. We want them to sit in these chairs. We want them to hear the gospel. We want Jesus to take over their lives. Okay? So we just need to be those kind of people. I hope, I hope you understand that balance. That's really important. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for your word that gives us clear communication of who we should be. God, forgive us where we have failed you. Forgive us both where we have uh, been sinful and given in to our own desires, our own lusts, our own uh, self. And God, forgive us where we've been on the other side as too judgmental and... and, 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 and just mean or rude or ugly. God, help us find that balance where we can stand for the truth in a loving way that brings honor to you. Father, we even see in your word that as the Pharisees were challenged by finding the woman in adultery and challenged as they began to stone her or wanted to stone her, as they walked away, he still looked at her and said, go and sin no more. Father, help us to find that balance where we love sinners but we still stand for truth. God, we want to be used by you in a great way. The city of Parkville, the state of Missouri, the county of Platte, the country of the USA is getting darker. God, make us light. Help us to reflect your son uh, in, a, in a right way that draws people to you. We know that only a human heart can only be changed by your spirit by your work. But God, use us. Use us to help uh, spread the message, uh, to help love others, to help share the truth with them so that they will come to know you. Lord, if there's anyone here today who hasn't given their life to you, who hasn't realized that you sent your son to die on the cross for them, to pay for their sins so that they could one day stand before you as perfect because he took the, the place uh, of their sins. Father, I pray that you would help them uh, to just uh, talk with somebody before they leave today. Ask some questions before they leave today. Talk to me or one of the other pastors or one of our other leaders or the person that brought them. Father, just help us to represent you well in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.